The Web's Michael Smith. It's episode 77 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? We're a bunch of jerks. Yeah. I guess we are. Never been so happy to be. Well, first off, we cover a bunch of jerks. Yeah. And apparently we don't like this, according to some. But I, speaking for myself... And me, probably. No, I'll, I allow you to speak for your voice. This okay. is America, man. Okay. Not, uh, not another land. By the way, you're not wearing a jacket with dragons on it or, you know, leprechauns, so I don't know how I'm going to take you seriously. That you know of. That I, well, <laughs> good for you if you can hide a jacket <laughs> underneath a sweatshirt. But this is, of course, in reference to Don Cherry, we'll name names on this, who has been the voice of hockey in Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada for decades, I mean yes. over 30-plus years, he's been this guy. This is what he does, and he called the Carolina Hurricanes players a bunch of jerks because of the storm surge celebration, then said, you know, the NHL media, they don't like it. Well, Michael Smith and I are NHL media. Yes, we do draw a paycheck from the Carolina Hurricanes, but I would tell you if I didn't like it. I would tell you if I thought it was Bush, but I like it. It's fun. It's a game. I've quoted Crash Davis, I think, a million times on this. It's a game. Let's have some fun. The Canes are having fun. So, Don, you don't have to speak for me on this one. I like it. I like it a lot. It's something different, and it's energized a fan base where, if you've cared to notice, and uh, judging by the attendance numbers, Don hasn't noticed, and neither have the people who like to throw this is where the Canes are for those facts and figures. The attendance is on the rise here in Carolina, and part of it is because the team is winning hockey games, and that's a big part. And the other part is it's fun to be at the PNC Arena again. It's a fun time. People are sticking to the end to see what the team will do. Yeah, I mean, just I'm sure Don hasn't lately or any of his uh, folks that have jumped to his defense. I don't think they've watched a Hurricanes game on TV recently, but it's pretty clear to see if you've watched on TV, if you've been here in person, They would have watched them play play in an empty arena in Ottawa, and I know there was snow, but I mean, I thought you're Canada, and that doesn't stop you from watching hockey. And I'm not ripping on all Canadians, but I'm just going down that road, so. Yeah, Uh, but if if you've seen a game on TV, if you've been here, you know the atmosphere is at a level right now that it hasn't been in some time. I would wager to say maybe be seven years or so I was I was an intern in the 2010-11 season and the Hurricanes went on a run that season and were a game away basically from making the playoffs and the atmosphere that season was was uh, at a level where you saw in the the 2009 playoffs where uh the 2006 playoffs when the when the Hurricanes of course uh won the Stanley Cup and 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 really galvanized this market it was it was there I'm not really sure since that run in 2011 if it's ever been quite like that. There have been peaks, of course, but it's reached a level now, the atmosphere here in this building, where... It's it's really fun to watch on television. I'm sure I I of course haven't seen a game on television, but if you're here in the arena, it's great. I go back and watch. You can sense the atmosphere on TV, but in the arena, it's been phenomenal. So the thing about Don Cherry's comment. I, I, there are a number of things about it. One is that's his brand, right? His brand yep. is rage and uh, outrage about things and rants, and that that's what that's what his segment is. I would have been more surprised had he actually liked it. I think. Yeah. I, it doesn't shock me that he doesn't like it. No, he's I think what, that's one thousand years old. He's close to it. I okay. believe eighty-three is the official, but oh. in Canadian years, I do believe that's a thousand. Right. The metric system. I'm right. not sure how that works. But here's the thing. I've watched Don Cherry since I was a kid because mm-hmm. I grew up. In, He's a legend. Uh, no, and I grew up in a border town, and I watched Hockey Night in Canada, and you loved to watch Coach's Corner because you wanted to hear what he was going to say. And here is the act, and that's what I'm calling it because that's what it is. The act is he will single in on one thing, lock in on it, and then hammer it. It used to be Russian players. They're right. terrible. They're dirty. We don't want them in our game. Our good Canadian boys, this and that. Then he broadened the scope to the European players are soft and they can't play in this game and they can't do this and they can't do that. And then you bring in a guy like Peter Forsberg, who was every bit as good as any Canadian player we've seen in the last 25 years. And then he will just move on to the next target and the next this. And all the while, folks. As someone who did sports talk radio for 20 years, the goal is you want people 
to pay attention to what you say. Right. And if you say something that you know is going to outrage people, you say it. And Don Cherry will live with the consequences because he's going to cash his paycheck whether you like him, hate him, call him an idiot, call him an old fool, call him a dotering idiot or a doddering idiot or whatever you want to call him. It doesn't matter to him because he's going to be wearing his kimono dragon jacket with the high collar. And again, folks, why are we really worried about someone who clearly does not want to draw any attention to himself and be outlandish and always drive the middle of the road and never do something controversial or never do something against the grain? Because I can tell you Don's never done that in his career. Just look at any of the coats he's ever worn any day of the last, oh, I don't know, 400 coaches' corners he's done. He promotes himself. He understands the game, and it's a game, folks. And you can buy into it. You can ignore it. Or you can do what the Canes did, embrace it, and turn it into what I think can be a rallying cry for a team that's already really tight off the ice to be a bunch of jerks and just have fun the rest of the way. Well, and now you know he's he's gone on record saying all these things, and uh, the, the, like you said, that's his brand. That's that's what he does. And he doesn't really care because he no. knows next week people are going to tune in to see what else he has to say. He probably – I wouldn't be surprised if he had a follow-up to this. And the, I promise you he will exactly. have a follow-up to and, this. And so the Hurricanes have taken the right approach in, in just embracing it, embracing the, the, the ludicrousness, ludicrousy. Yeah. I've been making up words so far, and it's early on in the podcast, so go right ahead. So uh, embracing the ridiculousness of it all because that's what it is. I mean, here's a guy who – is criticizing a team for standing out from the crowd while he's made a career standing, standing out, out from, from the, the crowd. crowd. Again, this is a man who, as a head coach of the Boston Bruins, stood on the bench and bowed to the crowd as a coach in the game. In the game. Not after the game. In the game. Yep. So, look, folks, you can get mad about it. And – by the way, I don't want to do the we've just said all this about Don Cherry and then do the, oh, let me talk out of the other side of my mouth. Don Cherry has done a lot of great things for a lot of people in his life. He's opened up doors. The charitable things he has done uh, that are on record are dwarfed by the charitable things that he has done that are off the record, that he never wanted anybody to know about just what he does. But he understands his role, and he loves being Don Cherry, and he loves it. He loves the hate. It, it makes him it makes him be poignant because if you want to say it doesn't that he's just old man yelling at a at clouds well you're yelling at him for yelling at the clouds yeah, that keeps, keeps him relevant exactly, that's what I was gonna say it keeps him relevant and that's 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 just him it it doesn't surprise me at all that that happened the juxtaposition of him saying what he did while wearing what he did while having the history that he does is what's so uh, insane about well, it. And the fact and it's, it's like anything, the fact that people don't see that. Right. And I know you were trying to point that out over the because, weekend. Because his opinion is fine. It's wrong, but it's fine. And you can have the opinion that the storm surge is, is crazy and ridiculous and bad for the game and, and whatever. It's, uh, it's wrong, but you can have that opinion. You're entitled to that opinion. And he can wear those suits. Nobody else can pull them off. No. He's going to be able to pull them off. Nobody else can. But to have one opinion while you know wearing the other thing is just ridiculous. But the funny thing is, if you go back to early coaches' corners in the 80s, Don Cherry wore very fine, muted, I don't want to use the word respectable versus because I don't want to – you know, cut up his tailor on this thing, but he wore he wore suits that you'd look at, and you're like, oh, that's just a nice average suit. But then he needed to do something that made him stand out. Imagine that. And draw more of an audience, and draw more of a crowd, and then people tune in next week. What's Don going to wear next week? He is the suit embodiment yes. of the storm surge, and yeah. he's been that for 30 years. And so that's why, folks, I know that I'm going to take a guess that there are some pro wrestling fans who listen to the Canes cast here. He lives the gimmick. That's what it is. It's it's the gimmick. And if anything, the Canes might want to thank Don Cherry when this is all said and done because the T-shirts that say a bunch of jerks, it's good for business, doing people. Doing pretty well. It's doing really well. 
And no, Michael Smith and I uh, cannot give you a T-shirt today, but maybe we no. will work on it in the future. I don't even think we get a cut. We get zero. <laughs> we, we'll work on that. But maybe we can, down the road, if there's a T-shirt that we can find, we can give it to the yeah. fine listeners. Of it's the also uh, the year of the pig, by the way. Oh, it is. That's yeah. right, in the Chinese New Year. Yeah. Well, so, well, you know. Maybe although find Stormy a is a, he's, an, he's an ice hog. He is, so. yeah. But cousin, just a note cousin. to everybody who is noting me about the fact that it's, you know, honoring the Chinese New Year. It's the year of the pig. Yeah, so he should have honored it even more. Yeah. And again, if you are listening to this, go back to what I just said and watch how Don Cherry used to respect the game of TV of wearing <laughs> nice suits to what he does now. It's no different. And, folks, and it's not disrespectful. It's not. It's entertainment. Exactly. It's entertainment. There is not one Carolina Hurricanes fan who can tell me right now that they are not entertained by the storm surge after the game. And I know it because I have to interview the first star on the bench and nobody's leaving unless you're yeah. wearing an opponent's jersey and even after then, Kane's win. even then you scan the crowd and you see them. They're not clapping along or anything, no, but, but they're, they're watching staying to watch and it. enjoying it. Again, it's entertainment. And if we're a bunch of jerks, so be it. I've been called far worse in my life. Oh, yeah. So I've been called far worse this weekend on exactly. Twitter. <laughs> by the way. And by the way, I know I'm bald. Thanks to everybody on Twitter who pointed that out. I guess I've reached the point in my life now where that's going to be the go-to joke. It's unfortunate, but hey, you know. If Rogaine wants to sponsor the podcast oh, or sponsor do. me, gladly. Uh, it's like when somebody points out that I am uh, that I'm fat. Wow, there you go. Good call. More how'd than you, eleven. How'd you figure that one? Yeah, it's you know. You want to break in with real, a news story on that one? Real original material. Yeah, it is what it is. So uh, again, but those are the same trolls. Who then I always love it. Then they'll resort to using language. I'm like, oh yeah. The, the second you got to throw out a oh, word like that, I'm there like, there was okay. real spicy language in my mentions. A little salty. Yeah, a little salty. Hi, welcome to episode 77 of Canescast. Where I know we're 12 minutes deep in this one, but uh, we, no, we've covered we've covered the story. We've from the covered weekend. the story. TV's Mike Maniscalco. I'm the, the web Michael, Michael Smith. Smith. Yeah. Uh, we're here on a Monday. Yep. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, February 18th of 2019. And since we last came to you, the Hurricanes have won three straight games, and yep. they're on a bit of a roll. They need to be. And they're yes. going to be ping-ponging back and forth uh, to above the cut line for the postseason, below the cut line for the postseason, depending upon what Columbus and Pittsburgh do. Because I, I think right now it's going to be a three-horse race. Maybe Montreal falls out. Maybe they stay yep. in with what they're doing. So maybe a four-team race. But I think I think in all likelihood you are going to look at a four-team race. Uh, Toronto and Boston there are jockeying for 2-3 in yeah. the Atlantic. Uh, Washington's a bit off of pace from the New York Islanders who uh, – I you go back and listen to a podcast that we did from September or October, yep. and we did not see that coming. No. But that, again <laughs> – that sport, that happens every single year. Yep. There's always a team you don't see coming that puts together a great season, and that's what's going on with the Islanders. And, you know, we, we thought we were seeing this coming from the Carolina Hurricanes. A couple of variables had to fall into place, but they have. And for me, they've been getting solid goaltending. Then the acquisition of Nino Niederreiter. Mm -hmm. The step-up of the game of Tevo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo, where we're talking about point-per-game players, the way that these guys are producing for the Hurricanes this year. You needed all these things to happen. Then some outside forces that we didn't see coming in. Nobody could have told me the impact that Jordan Martinuk was going to have on the Carolina Hurricanes. Not just that he's got a career high in goals with 12, but what he means in the locker room. Or Calvin DeHaan, how steady he is on the blue line. Or Dougie Hamilton, it was a slow start, but now he's found his groove. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Canes record has gone up the way that Dougie Hamilton's game has started to produce for the Carolina Hurricanes. But yep. there's, there's a lot to get to, but it's going to be fun. In the last month of the season – there's going to be meaningful games. It, this might come down to the last game in April in Philadelphia yep. for if the Canes are in or if the Canes are out of the playoffs. But my goodness, it's been a fun ride so far, and I don't see it slowing down until we get to game 82 and figure out do we have more hockey to play. Yeah, I mean, that's before we really dive into the nitty-gritty. Is It just it, it feels different this year. 
and no matter where it ends up, it, it feels different. It why does felt why different. does it? But why does it for you? Because I've asked this question, I've had it asked of me, but I, I'm yep. going to ask you, the Webbs Michael Smith. Why does this year? feel different than the previous six or seven that you've been around covering the team in the capacity I honestly of. think it starts at the top with head coach Rod Brendamore. He's a rookie head coach, and he's the first to admit that he's you know, made mistakes along the way as he, as he learns how to go about you know, the day-to-day life of a head coach. But from day one, the, the culture, the expectations that he has set forth for this locker room, I think has been – a night and day difference from the years prior. And it's it's about raising the bar. It's about not just saying, okay, well, we're going to aim to maybe sneak into the playoffs and see what happens. It's the, 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 the goal is to be the best team in the NHL. The Hurricanes are going to probably fall short of that, at least in the regular season. They're going to fall short of that goal because they're not going to catch Tampa Bay. Well, they've been one the of the best teams in the NHL since Correct. January 1st. Correct. So uh, from that standpoint, the Hurricanes aren't happy with where they're at. Whereas maybe in previous years, if you're hanging around, you know, playing uh, meaningful games around this time of year, uh, you're in a, a four-team race for the playoffs, uh, the team might be satisfied. But they're not satisfied. They're not satisfied with, with just being in it. They want to be the best. And I think that shift in mindset that, that Rod Brindamore has really spearheaded and that I think then Justin Williams has taken with and and really been that, that conduit from, from Brindamore to the players uh, has led to just this different feeling, both in the locker room when we're in there, because we're not in there that much, you know, in comparison to the bigger picture. Um, You know, we're in there briefly after practice, briefly after morning skates, after games, whereas these guys spend hours in the locker room. But when we're in there, it feels different. When we're watching games, it feels different. Uh, There's just a a different air about the club this season that – there's been a shift. There's been a shift. And no matter where it ends up, it's going somewhere good in the longer term. And I think that's what's important. Yeah. Uh, I think that you hit one and two for me, which has been Rod Brindamore behind the bench and the belief that he has instilled in this team and the change in culture, which is we're not shooting to be a playoff team. We're shooting to be the best team in the NHL. Justin Williams' leadership echoing – the messages of staying on point. This is what we're here. Good's not good enough uh, for this team. And then I think the other part of it is you've watched other players' games mature. Like Sebastian Ajo's game this year has been outstanding. And it's not just the offense. It's he's been asked to play center. How well he is in his own end, how he's coming around to that. To the point of Rod Brindamore, who is one of the best penalty killers in his era in the National Hockey League, is putting him out there as a center with big you know, big minutes left on a penalty kill, he and Tavo Teravainen. And it's the goaltending where there's not a drop-off from one to two. Mm-hmm. If anything, we keep asking. I don't think the Canes have a number one goalie and a number two goalie. They have two guys who are playing like number ones right now in Curtis McElhaney and in, in Peter Morazic, and they give the team a chance Every night. And confidence, too. Confidence that when those breakdowns happen, because lately the breakdowns have been a little more uh, frequent than yeah. I think Brenda Moore and his coaching staff would like to see, but they have the confidence that their goaltender is going to make the save, and that's exactly what happened really in this stretch of games this weekend where the Hurricanes were outplayed. They were not the better team no. against Edmonton. They were probably not the better team against Dallas, but in both cases – their goaltenders were the difference. Both yeah. McElhaney and Mrazek coming up huge both of the nights. Uh, McElhaney with 40 saves and then Mrazek with the 33-save shutout. That's the difference in both of those games because they, they could have easily gone the other way uh, you know, had it not been for their play and had it not been for the Hurricanes being able to strike early, get a lead early, and force the opponents to chase the game from and there. And that, to me, though, is the oddest thing about the NHL now. Mm-hmm. You get that first goal. And the complexion of the game totally changes how you play, how the the opponent plays against you. And we've seen it for the Canes. When the Canes are down a goal, they play differently. You know, trying to chase is hard to do in, in this league. We saw it in New Jersey. You cannot chase a game anymore because I think Rod Brendamore said it today after practice. Everybody in the league is good. Yeah. There there are no more, oh, 
we're rolling into this building and our B effort should be good enough to win the game. That doesn't happen anymore. So that's why if you fall down a goal, that next goal becomes huge mm -hmm. because, yeah, we can joke the you know, most dangerous lead in the NHL is a three-goal lead, and that might be a team letting its foot off the gas. But to try to come back and, and try to get wins against these teams that – there's no more of this, well, they've only got one or two players, and that's not what we have to worry about. A lot of balance. And that's the other thing, too. The Carolina Hurricanes have a lot of balance, mm -hmm. Michael Smith. And we'll talk about that because we've got some uh, listener questions to get to mm -hmm. via Twitter about the balance of the Carolina Hurricanes and what might happen sooner rather than later with the balance that this team has had that's just been on fire since, I think you want to go back, what? New Year's Eve. At the, the New Year's Eve game. Yep. So 16, five and one, I believe is the record since New Year's Eve. Those are good numbers. That's good enough to get you into the postseason. Yes. And, but the Canes have to continue that. But before we continue to plan more storm surges, the schedule does get difficult. Once we flip this calendar to March, mm -hmm. while the Canes do have more games at home than on the road, I think uh, 11 of 13 are against playoff yeah, competition or teams least. above, or it might even be, I think it's 16 games. I think it's like 13 of 16 are against teams that are above the cut line right now right. for the postseason. And that's going to be a stretch really that, that makes or breaks this team. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to because not only are you playing against teams above the cut line, yeah. but you're playing against teams that you're going to be vying with to be over that cut line uh, come April 7th. I mean, you're playing teams like Columbus, uh, Pittsburgh a couple of times. Uh, even, you know, Philadelphia, who's still hanging around. But they're making a, little... a push, but I think it's too late. But they're dangerous to play right now. Correct, exactly. Um, Washington uh, Boston, twice. Boston, Tampa. Like, uh, all of these teams that are uh, you don't want to give points away to, it's right. going to get tough. And it's, it's really going to, I think, show us what this team is made of. And uh, it, it it concerns me for a number of reasons, just because it is such a tough stretch, and it's it's you don't have many breaks. It's it, it's pretty much game day off, game day off, or some back to backs mixed in there. And you know, the other night, head coach Rod Brennamore after the game against Dallas said he he kind of felt like his club was both uh, mentally and and physically tired a bit. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that throughout the month of March. I think you might see some more morning skates taken off. I think uh, practices might be a little shorter, maybe a little more infrequent, just to just to get that rest in and make sure the club is as sharp as possible. And, you know, not morning skating. Uh, yes, I turned that into a verb. It not is, uh, morning skating. Not taking the morning skate. Correct. On the road, uh, at least on that five-game road trip, proved uh, pretty valuable for the Hurricanes. So it'll be interesting to see just just how it all shakes out because, you know, as you said earlier, I do think it's going to come down to the last. You're not going to see that X beside the last couple of teams in the East until probably the last week of the season oh. because it's just going to be it's going to be that tight maybe the last day of the season maybe the last day uh and you talk about the rest and the workload and everything that goes into it uh we did a piece a couple of uh, games ago about the heart rate monitors that the carolina hurricanes wear mm -hmm. and we talked with strength and conditioning coach bill berniston and you know he gave credit to dougie bennett the head trainer for the team and everybody in between and the coaching staff which is they monitor the workload of right. the players and they know that there's a sweet spot mm -hmm. where they want the players to be where they need to go if they're pushing too much if they're not pushing enough and the proper amount of rest that they need to give and all of these things folks you'd be amazed at all of the things that go into the decision making as to do we have a practice how long do we practice what kind of practice do we have do we have a morning skate are we right. going to take that on the road is it better to let the guys stay in the hotel room you know just go through a meeting and do those things and let them rest up and get ready for the game so it's there's a lot that goes into it it's pretty amazing to me all of the factors and all of the the different variables that are going into this, but the Kane staff has been doing a masterful job with it this year, and especially you know January and, and here into February with what this team has been able to put on the ice. And now the other thing, Michael, yeah, they might have been outplayed by Edmonton. They mm -hmm. might have been outplayed by Dallas. Mm -hmm. But one of the things good teams do, playoff teams do, find ways to win those games yeah. in particular at home, and the Canes did that. Yeah, and it, it's also I, I noticed, you know, as we were talking about those games this weekend, uh, 
saying the expectations have changed has also kind of changed the way we talk about this team and in that we're saying you know they didn't have their best they got four of four points over the weekend but they didn't have their best and that's because expectations are higher expectations aren't that oh well we'll just you know go out and we got the win and whatever but expectations are we know we need to be better and I think that's, again, it's, it's part of the, the larger shift in thinking around this team and that they're not just expecting to, to go out and play. They're expecting to go out and win every single game. Were you going to drop a paradigm shift on me here? Oh, I thought about it. I mean, you're, you're smart enough to do that. I've just read, I've just read that in magazines yeah. and figured it would fit. Just saying. Yeah. You know what else fits. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I know you have a couple because the internet has bailed you out. Yeah, I can probably uh, surface a couple. All you right. can start while I... Uh... Well, I I will, and I really will choose to do so. Okay. And it goes into this team. We kind of hinted at it, but I put it to you, Michael Smith. At what day will we know the Carolina Hurricanes are a playoff team? And I will put it to you, like it, keep it if not. We've already heard Will Ferrell say it. We will know after the game on Tuesday, April 2nd in Toronto, if the Canes are in or are not a playoff team. Yeah, I'll take that one. I think that that's really the last, and I'm not writing off the last two games of the season, versus New Jersey on a Thursday here at PNC Arena and then at Philly on a Saturday to, to wrap up the season. I'm not discounting those games, but that game at Toronto really wraps up the gauntlet that this team is going to go through from basically, I mean, you could basically say March 1st, you know, through that. Don't basically, let's just say it. Just say March. March. March, March 1st till April 2nd that's, is a gauntlet. That's basically going to be the gauntlet. At that point, you've played 80 games you probably have a really good idea of you know where other teams are their schedules left uh i i, I think i think uh, it, it's definitely going to be after that but i i think uh after april 2nd maybe even after that game is is potentially when when you'll know one way or the other yeah that's i i put it at that game and again now, if if they need the last two games, I mean that just takes on even more importance. Yeah, I haven't looked at you know Pittsburgh's, Montreal's. It's a little bit too early to really be there's because that's a, when I pull back and think about it. There's still a quarter of the season left. Yep, and that's kind of unbelievable to think about because it feels like we're much closer to the end of the. Feels season. like there should only be four games right. left in the season. There's got... still over a quarter of the season left, so so much can change in that we period still have of time. Four games left in the month of. February, Michael. Yeah, which is which is nuts. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a grind right up until the end, and it's going to come down to that last week. Well, we know the Canes will show grit, and I will say this: if Gritty comes after me, <laughs> that last game, and are Philly, you going to rip his head off? <laughs> I'm not making any promises. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything outlandish, right? Because I don't want to. I don't want to say anything and then you know set up this huge thing that could never happen. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm not having any of it. Yeah, don't don't come after him. You know, here's though you know it would make really good TV. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> what happened was people let the Philadelphia Flyers push him around in the '70s, mm-hmm. and that's how they got this reputation. People are letting Gritty push him around, and if I'm repping Stormy, I'm not going to let that happen. Not on my watch. <laughs> I think I found one. Oh, from, well, you had several. Well, yeah, because I I actually put out the call today <clears throat> from Matthew. Herman uh, at Matty Herman. Oh, hi, Matty. Or excuse me. Oh, his. Oh, then I'm sorry. Yeah, Herman. Apologies. But his Twitter name seems to be missing the R for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he man. So, one of them's wrong. The Canes hold him for the season and don't make any more trade moves. Uh, he says he'll keep this bunch of jerks. Do you? Uh, if you like it, you can take it. If not, send it right back. I'll take it. Okay. And I'll take it because I know we're going to get to uh, Kane's cast questions coming yep. up here in a little bit after this segment, which I know they kind of parallel. But the Canes are going to have an acquisition coming back into the lineup yep. in Jordan Stahl. So I will I'll keep it. And we've discussed the Michael Furland situation, which I believe will be discussed uh, a little bit more here. I think we're going to start seeing a different trend in the NHL, Michael. Because teams value their draft picks, value their prospects now. 
you're not going to see the hall that used to be for, quote, rental players. So what's going to happen is you get self-rental players, Mm -hmm. a player who's already on your roster, Mm -hmm. and you're just going to view him as he does more for us than any kind of return that we would get for him. So with that being said, yeah, I think that the Canes stand pat. I'll I'll keep it. Yeah, we'll probably discuss more. Yeah, I just stumbled across uh, quite a few more. We'll run through these quickly. From uh, at Take Warning 1819, he's got a couple. Uh, If you like it, take it. If not, send it back. The Canes will finish the season in the first wild card spot but won't make it to the second round of the playoffs. Which would mean... At this well, well, yeah. At this point in time, and and forever, then you'd be playing the uh, the first place team in the Metropolitan Division, which I would is send that back. The New York Islanders. I would send that back because if the Canes get the first wild card spot, mm-hmm. now I don't know if uh, Take Warning eighteen nineteen is uh, going down the road of the first wild card spot as like the number one wild card spot, or like the you know. I would say one. I would say the number one wild card. That's spot, what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. So. And if that's the case, not the the second wild card spot. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to send that back because I think that they would actually win in the second round. Yeah, I, the 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 first wild or card, they'd win the first round and make it to the second. Right, round. the first wild card pot, spot puts the team in a a much better position than the second wild card spot. Hi guys, hi everybody. Hi, it's the Cap City crew walking We've got by some us guests. right now. Hi, Good Capital City crew. Thank you. The uh, live live on the Canes cast. Yeah. We well, just had a live guest. Plaus- plausibly live. Yeah. So. Um, but now they're going to come down to the press row, so you might be able that, to hear But that second wild card spot is going to have a, Tampa. a task. Yeah. If you're this, look, if you're the second wild card spot, I don't care who you are. I, I don't think you're, and you got to play Tampa in the first round. I don't think you're getting out of it. I, and I know, you know, it, eight seeds have beaten one seeds before. I just I don't know if Tampa's losing. But if if the Canes make it to the first wild card spot, I'm sending that back because I think that they beat the New York Islanders. They would certainly have. You look at any honestly any other matchup in the East is is way more favorable. The Hurricanes I think yeah. would would certainly make series out of uh, opponents of of the Islanders of the Capitals. I think they're all beatable in the yeah. first round. Yep, agreed. Another one. Uh, the Canes need Furlan from at Take Warning eighteen nineteen. The Canes need Furlan. Work out the deal. We need his muscle and skill. Uh, I think they need him, but yeah, uh, this is going to be something that I think goes to July first, and you, we'll figure it out. From you there. need him, but only, only to a certain extent. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to sign a contract that in three to four years you're like, ah, I really shouldn't have sign that contract you know you don't want to have to overpay I don't think there's going to be buyer's remorse with him but to to finish that yes this team this year I'm gonna I'm gonna micro this question this team this year needs him right and and he's made I think his presence has made a difference even when he's not on the ice you don't have guys taking runs at at Andre well Andre Svechnikov's been an exception because there have been teams, but Sebastian Otevo Teravina because they know they look over and they okay yeah there he is we have to deal with him yeah maybe not tonight you don't feel as nervy as Wyatt Earp once said when you've got Michael Furlan there on the street can on the Uh, street how it's another play uh, another one from Matty Herman Uh, the Canes are three points away from second place in the Metro they end the postseason in the top three in the or they end the season I guess what he's trying to say in the top three in the division if you like you keep it if not send it right back. Oh man, I want to keep it, but I just keep. It's going to be tough to push. the The only thing it's. I just keep it, thinking Pittsburgh is going to go on a run, and I right. know, and they haven't looked good this year. Yeah. Uh, but you got Sidney Crosby now. Malkin is back and appears to be healthy, and he's not swinging sticks at anybody at least for two games. So he served that suspension. I just keep thinking they're going to go on some kind of run at some point in time. I, I that's one I want to keep. But let's just keep you know the eyes on the prize and just get into the postseason right now. The 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 problem with with a top three spot in the division, I think, is just the fact that you'd have to jump over two teams yeah. versus jumping over one team to get into a wild card spot. It's not impossible. It's not impossible, but it is going to take. Um, you would have to have both of those teams fall off and maintain your pace in order to do so versus having one of the teams fall off and you maintain your pace. So it's it's much more, at least mathematically likely, that the Hurricanes sneak in in a wild card spot. 
All right. And then the last one, completely unrelated. If you like a ticket, if not, send it back. NASCAR is a sport. Not from Pace uh, Sagister either. It's from Paul Whittington. Seeing I covered it for uh, six and a half years, I have a, a guideline for sports, and you let me know if you like this or not. Okay. If you can do it while drinking a beer and having a smoke, <laughs> it's not a sport. <laughs> and I can promise you, you cannot. No. You cannot race. No, it would be while bad. drinking a beer. I'm sure there were guys it's back also, in the day who had a heater hanging out. Right. It's also not advisable. No. So yeah. Uh, so no, they're athletes. You have to see what these guys go through oh, now. Yeah, the, the drivers they have. It's it's like golfers. Although golf to me is a game, not a sport. Sorry, golf, and that's opening up a different can of worms. But you, you can have a beverage and you can have a heater yeah. and uh, you know fire up a dart and then throw one on the green from you know 158 out. But it's. NASCAR, you have to have all of your wits. It's hand-eye coordination. It is physical endurance. Yes, I know the machine does a lot of the work that people are going to talk about, but so do the drivers. There's oh, yeah. a team aspect to it. So, yes, NASCAR is a sport. Yeah, I'm taking that as well. Yeah. Shall we get to some questions now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I got one for you. All right. This from Sam Kinney. And uh, he's got Kermit Sam the Frog. Sam He's got Kermit the Frog as an avatar, so I was going to read this no matter what. Do the Canes still trade a defenseman for a forward? I know we are playing well, but it seems likely. Thanks. No, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. I'll take this one. Or you want to take it? Go ahead. I was going to say, no, they don't need to because they're getting one back from injury in hopefully about a week. Yep. So there's no need to. And if you consider it for a moment, too, trading Victor Rask for Nino Niederreiter kind of also accomplished that. Yes. So they already made a trade for not they didn't trade a defenseman correct but they traded a forward for a forward now I, I've got something that I want to follow up with but go right ahead okay well I was gonna say I think the, the you know the a trade for another top six forward again the hurricanes are getting I think a top six forward back in Jordan stall without having to make a trade that's their trade deadline acquisition but if you were to be open to exploring the possibility of trading a defenseman, which I'm I'm not sold on being the best idea, honestly, because this I think this group of six has worked very well for this team. Yeah. Now, when if you get Adam Fox signed, that creates kind of a different equation, and you might have to make a move. But with the way it stands now, you could you, this situation could go into the off season, and you could make a move around the draft or around free agency to, to, to acquire a forward in exchange for a defenseman. It's certainly not – it's no longer pressing for the Hurricanes to do. You pose the interesting concept of Adam Fox getting signed, mm-hmm. and then that, of course, creates, I'd say, a glut for yes. the sake of saying it, of right-handed shot defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes. But are you going to move one of your three who's been in the lineup, Michael, all season long, and you know what you're getting – for the final 20 games for a player coming right out of college. No. And then what are you getting in return for him? And I had this conversation the other day. A fan asked me before uh, Hurricanes Live, oh, they're going to move one of their right-handed defensemen, right? they got to do that. And I'm like, well, why? And Well, they got to bring in a player to, to help them get into the postseason. Well, what would you trade them for? And, you know, they mentioned some names. And it was, you know, a few expiring contracts here or there. And I'm like, why would you give up a player that you have under control for a season or two seasons or more for a player that you wouldn't. And then, you know, there's a lot of reasoning to it. It wasn't a bad question, but, you know, I go back to the, well, all of the players they have down in the minors. I'm like, okay, that's great. But if they were good enough to help this team, they would be the players on the roster right now in trying to help the Canes make this playoff push. So the fact that the Canes, there's so many parts to it. And, you know, I, I call it the, and you're on good terms with EA Sports again, but I oh, call it great. Yeah, I call it the you know the it's the the video game, the Xboxing. I've just made that one a verb for you. Nice. Or the PlayStationing of our uh, game cubing, <laughs> our views of sports, where you can make trades and nobody thinks of like well how real life dollars work. You just think of I want to get the best player on my team for right now. Yeah. You have players. All of the defense is under control. And that goes into the organization, young players, players on this roster, Mm -hmm. some for five seasons, some for four, some just for next year. 
but I'll I'll go to next year when I can. I would not give up something that I have control of as far as an asset or a chip for something right now that I have no guarantees right. is going to stay here or will even make my team better when I know how this team is playing right now. The, so the Hurricanes are not in the rental market. Don Waddell has has told me that he's he's said that they're not in the rental market. They want to make a what? They want to make a hockey trade. Ah, a one for one trade. It doesn't have to be one for one, but yeah. a hockey trade yes. like the one Victor asked for Nino Niederreiter. That's the kind of trade they want to make. They're not in the market for a rental. And you touched on it earlier. I think the market for rentals has sort of declined yep. over the years. It's not what it used to be. The Hurricanes do potentially have a rental on their roster yep. in Michael Furland, but that's as rental-ish as the team is going to get down the stretch. Yes, I agree, 100%. Uh, this one from Zach Hersey. Can you explain the reasoning in how players get kicked out of the face-off circle? It seems to happen more and more. Well, there's lots of reasons why players get kicked out of the dot. Uh, a little hockey one of them is they smell bad. No, that's oh. not why. <laughs> okay. That's not why. Uh, one of the reasons, you have to be set. And if you take a look at the face-off circle, and here's the good thing for my office, we can look down on the ice. You know those little L's that they have around? Uh, they stand for losers. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Oh, okay. It's where your skates have to be. You have to have your skates behind the top part and uh, inside the I was the channeling L. Don Cherry there uh, for Really? <laughs> you do have that jacket on underneath that sweatshirt. Uh, and you have to have your feet there. Uh, you have to have, if you're the defender, you have to have your, what, you've got to have your stick down first if you're the defender. Yep. And so if yeah. you're moving, if you're cheating, if you're jumping, if you're trying to, to we call it jump the face off, you get kicked out before the, the linesman drops the puck. Yeah, it used to be home away, which to me never really made any sense. And Ron Francis shared that point of view yeah. and was like, hey, why don't we just change it for whoever's in their own zone? And yeah. that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it does. So <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, why – we should do that. So that works. So you have that plus. Uh, the reason why I have the face-off circles, the only players that can be inside the face-off circles are the players taking the draw. So if you see a player jumping in before the puck's dropped, you know, to try to get uh, the leg up and get to the puck, that can get the center kicked out. Uh, and there's just a lot more to it. But, you know, sometimes you can jaw, you know, <laughs> not that you smell, but you can jaw with the, the linesman and yeah. he'll kick you out. But those are those are the reasons why. You have to be set. You have to be within the lines. You can't have your teammates jumping into the circle. Those are the reasons why you see players get kicked out a lot. But there are – it does seem like it happens a heck of a lot more than I ever remember. I think the rules now are a bit tighter than they used to be. All right. Uh, Jaden234 on Twitter. Okay. Uh, says, what do you all think a playoff storm surge would look like? In a word? The beauty of it is we have no idea because these guys keep it top secret. It's all organic, and uh, it's a surprise to us all. In a word? Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This is from Josh Holdner. What are your thoughts of the reactions of those either in the media or on the Twitter machine? Of the storm surge. I think we kind of gave yeah. a lot of that at the beginning. I have but two words. Go for it. Who cares? That's mine. If you like it, folks, you like it. If yep. you don't like it, that's your prerogative not to like it. Yep. But there's a lot of folks around here who enjoy it. And it's brought fun to not just the arena, not just an atmosphere here. I think the players like it. And when I say I think the players like that because – I'm right there on the bench, Michael, when it's happening, and they're laughing. They're yeah. smiling. They're having a good time. Nobody's walking off the ice thinking, oh, why did we just do that? They're having a good time. Yeah. You're going to see more of it soon, yeah. I think. And in, in the NHL, you're already seeing you're seeing youth teams. Yep. You're seeing that team in Youngsville in the U, uh, USHL. Youngstown, Youngstown, Youngstown yeah. sorry. And the USHL do it. You're see, I saw a tweet. It's of Brian it. Burke's worst nightmare. Right. The children are doing it. I, there was a tweet today that was showed a KHL team doing the limbo. So it's it's spreading. You know, the the one thing that has actually really, when I go onto Twitter, and it can be a cesspool at times, as you know. That's the, your first mistake. But is going off yeah. Twitter. <laughs> but well, I, I say that as we're reading. Twitter questions. <laughs> well, because these are the good people. Yes, these are the good people. We can pander. We know those who do. Yeah. Why, why not us? Why not? But when I see Aaron Ward, who has won three Stanley Cups, when I've seen Anthony Stewart, who 
his tenure with the Carolina Hurricanes, he would tell you he would have wished it was a little bit better. He would have been a blast. Oh, my God. When he he tweeted out and he put up the Apollo Creed from Rocky IV, Living in America Dance. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, oh, it would have please, been amazing. come back for that. Yeah. Or Eddie Lack. Yeah. When they say, look, they're having fun and this is what it When former players are saying, this is cool, and if you don't get it, that's a you problem. Yeah. Folks, it takes a long time for a lot of people to get comfortable in their own skin. It really is. The Carolina Hurricanes are comfortable in their skin. And if you don't like it, that's a you problem. It's not them. And for former players, guys who are outside of the organization, to say that this is cool or they wish they could be a part of it, that's great. That, that should be the telltale sign. Not some 83-year-old guy who gets paid millions of dollars to say something so people can sit there and say, can you believe what he said? And I had people coming up to me at the uh, Canes bash last night going, what do you think of it? I'm like, that's what he gets paid to say. Yeah. You know why? Because he says that, and then TSN, I think it's TSN he's with now. Uh, Sportsnet. Fine, whatever, Sportsnet. And – uh Whoever is broadcasting, then you see 50,000 retweets of the video, and you're like, hey, Mr. Sponsor, look what we got in an hour. Right. Mission accomplished for old man. Yep. Way to go, Don. Good for you. But that's just it, and, and that's my thought on it. And, Mike, you said it best. The web's Michael Smith. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Ken Seifert on Twitter. Can you get a Don Cherry jacket for an upcoming broadcast? <laughs> How do you know I don't already have one? Oh, I had one once. But I don't wear them. Wow. I didn't know that. Sorry. Didn't know that, that they would catch you, catch you by that much surprise. You, does it have dragons on it? No, it didn't have dragons on it. Okay. It was a long time ago. So my apologies. Uh, here's one for you. Uh, this from uh, Bobble813. His name is Chris. Did Mike Maniscalco really get beat in a chugging event? And will Nino break 35 points as one of the jerks this season? Michael Smith, were you uh, at the Canes bash? I was not at Canes bash. Then no one can confirm or deny that that happened. <laughs> but I have seen pictures. But uh, if I did lose, I lost to a grand champion. Plus, yeah. I came out of retirement. And I'll make no excuses about that. It was an impressive performance. But we went back. Have you seen the videotape of it? I haven't. There's video, I've only seen pictures. There's video floating around out there. I thought I got crushed. And if we go back to my college days, yes, I did. But I was only about also, a second or two off. Yeah, and, and, and I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> and in your college days, you're crushing way more crushable beer. Yeah. That beer that you crushed last night was, was delicious. crushable. <laughs> delicious, but not meant for chugging. Correct. But we chugged it anyway. Yeah. I won't say. Uh, oh, what was the second half of that question? Um, will Nino break 35 points? Now, how many games? I want to make sure my math is right. How many games are left? 23 or 24? 23? Uh, 23, I believe. So he's at 13 points right now. Mm -hmm. So that means, that means a point a game. 13, uh, is the with the Canes. Well, that's what I – because he's – I think he's – Yeah, because he's uh, – this year, total, he's at 36. Yeah, so we are, so I think it's so, with the okay, Canes. with the Canes. Wow, man, that's a, that's a point of yeah. game. No, I'm well, gonna, that's better than – it's eh, – I'm going to say – I'm going to say no. Uh, probably not. But, but I, that's not to d diminish what he's going to do for this team down but the stretch. Can I modify that? How about 15 sure. goals? It's not a like it, keep it, but – Yeah, yeah. That he's got to get, he's he's gotta gotta get seven more. Yeah. Seven more in 23. The way he's playing and the way that he, Sebastian Ajo, and Justin Williams have played, that's great. All right, well, let's get to the one question that has been on everybody's mind. It's been asked about 45,000 times. You want to ask it? You want to give anybody credit? Or so many people have sent it to us for today's Go ahead, edition. lay it on me. All right. From the Canes cast, people have asked us, with the return of Jordan Stahl. Oh, that's, yeah, I was about to read one. So. That's the, I was going to say, that is the big, And big we should question. also know there are also a number of other questions about trades and whatnot, and I, I'm pretty sure we've covered that to this point. What does your center lineup look like when Stahl returns? And then uh, everybody's asked that. What does it mean? Who's going to be, anybody gets sent down? Who's the odd man out? Uh, for me, the center would look Ajo, Stahl, Walmart, and McKegg. Yes. That's what I would keep right now as the, the four centers. And then you would move Jordan Martinuk back to the wing. Yep. And people then want to ask who's the odd man out. Well, now if you're Rod Brindamore, you can actually have depth and you can rotate in and out Saku Menelainen mm -hmm. or Menelainen. You can rotate out Warren Fogle. You, can, you could give a guy a night off if you feel he's banged up a little bit here. Uh, not that the Canes are going to have any kind of room for that, but – You'd have the luxury of being able to rotate yeah. a player in and out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think 
if you look at, and I hate to break up the fourth line with the way it's been yep. playing the Menelainen and McKegg Fogel, but it, it's probably going to be one of those yeah. wingers one, that has to sit. Or and, or McKegg and you would move Martinuk back to center for a game if right. you want to do that. But uh, that fourth line has been so effective that I mean it's a it's a good problem to have when we're sitting here saying, gee, you know, who should we take out? But uh, Stall is going to factor into the middle, no question about that. I would move Martinuk out of the middle because even though he's played that position before, he's better suited, I think, on the wing, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to to taking faceoffs. Um, yeah, so it, and I think Jordan Stahl fits right there in the second line, yep. and um, you know maybe he plays with with Teravainen and Furlan, which is what Walmart's been doing. Um, I I really wouldn't at this point mess with the Niederreiter Aho Williams combo. No, maybe maybe he plays with Svechnikov and Martinuk. Yeah, you know so it's it's there's some how options. we want to look at it. There's plenty of options there, and this notion. That's out there, and I want to head this one off here. And I know it's late in the Kingscast. Head it off cast. of the pass. I hate that cliche. <laughs> Thank you, Mel. <laughs> it's one of those things where I just want to just cut this off, this notion of adding Jordan Stahl wouldn't be a positive for this team. Yeah, and be, because if, if Don Waddell calls the, his 30 uh, compadres – in the league and wow. says, hey, I've got Jordan You know Stahl. I don't speak Spanish, Baxter. If he said, hey, I've got Jordan Stahl, I don't think any one of them would be like, ah, no, nah, I'm good. No, no, you, you keep it. Like, it's, it's an absurd notion. It's funny. We had this conversation earlier today, and if you asked anybody what would the Carolina – when we talk about adding forwards, what would the Carolina Hurricanes want to add for a playoff push? There's two things. One is always more goals. That's always one. But two – how about somebody who's dominant in the face-off circle mm-hmm. who can play big minutes if you need him to and help on the penalty kill? Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. I think I've got somebody. Really? I'm intrigued to find I out who that so. is. And but, it's going to – We got another live audience here. Ready? Yep. Hey, Hi, everybody. Hi. What's going on? Hi. It's hey, the hi. Capital City crew. Hello. Good to have you guys here. There you go. Hi. Hi. It's okay. There's no there's no alligators in here. It's okay. You can you don't have to stay out there. Just more worried about you. Just snakes. Yeah. You're just snake. Well, the, shh. Yeah, no. Don't don't say that. You'll wake up the snakes. That's a secret. Right. Can I say hi to them? No. Good they're morning. they're sleeping. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Okay. Good morning thanks. and good night. Thank you. Good night. Good morning. Good all right. Morning. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Wow. We have we have. All right, guys. Bye. Nice to see you. Thanks. It's the Bye. Capital City crew, everybody. Bye. Bye. Enjoy the hockey. A round of applause for the there Capital City crew. There are snakes in my office. I'm not sure where they are, but they're here. <laughs> where were we? Uh, we were talking more about Jordan Stahl and what he brings oh, in. Oh, yeah. I was heading We've off got a guy. Pass. This notion of adding him to the lineup is a bad thing. And yeah, that's just ridiculous to me. Yeah. It just is. And now, this, now is where, this is where it is fair, I think to wonder how it's going to affect yes, the lineup. Yes, of course. Because but, but these then if you're the same person asking what trade will the Canes make to make them better, you're moving out somebody on your roster to bring somebody in. Trade. That is a change Here's to your, your trade. lineup. The Carolina Hurricanes trade nothing to their injured reserve list and receive Jordan Stahl. Thank you. That's I a mean, great um, trade. Unless you're telling me that you're going to get Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, like somebody like that. And I'd be like, well, let's go ahead and do that. But if you're talking about somebody who I'm not sure of, and we can use, we can speculate here, although I don't really know if we should again because of our uh, affiliation, but there's a guy in Columbus who's a goal scorer. So now you can figure out who that is because they've got a bunch of guys who do score goals. But what would his addition be? Wouldn't that throw somebody off? Wouldn't that move somebody down in the lineup? So when, and then he leaves in the summer. Yeah, so when you ask questions like this, I, I feel that I'm getting irritated, and I'm not. But when you ask questions like this, I always wonder, you don't think that that would be a problem, but bringing back a guy who is already a part of fabric of the locker room, who's well-liked, who plays big minutes, and you look at all of the things that he does, you know, he's a puck possession hound, right? Don't people Isn't that more valuable than goals and assists, according to game theories and whatnot? But it's one of those things where you're not bringing in a disruptive force. If anything, you're bringing in a guy that the players well, would a, love to see back. A disruptive force for the opposition. Good. 
Yes. That's good. That's never a bad thing. No. So there you have it. And, and that's it. So will it make some changes? Sure. But I think, it, it, if anything, it makes changes for the better. And, you know, we said second line who he could play with. Rod Brindamore is not going to throw him out there until he's confident that he can handle, you know, big minutes. Yeah. Maybe you see him in, in that role where he's with Svechnikov and Martinuk, and he's only getting until he gets up to speed 12, 14 minutes a night until yeah. you get to the grind of playoff hockey where you want a guy like Jordan Stahl in your lineup. And then the hope is that, you know, everything checks out and, and remains good for the yes. rest of the season just because – you know, he he did, he did try to come back in December and it was too didn't soon. even make it two games. So it's it is important for his health that he makes sure he's one hundred percent before before getting back into game action. And by the way, if anybody wants to be even more critical of of that, think about it this way: Jordan Stahl was concussed before the game that knocked him out. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, was the Detroit San game? Jose. The San Jose game that officially. First, yeah. No, the San Jose game was the first when that he you was first at diagnosed, it. yeah. But he was probably playing with it before that. Yeah. You know, just trying to fight through the symptoms of, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Uh, 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 something that he didn't, uh, the, the, something that wasn't brought to the team's attention just yeah. because he th- thought it was something else and, and thought yeah. he could play through it. Yeah. So hopefully when he is fully cleared, and he didn't have the non-contact jersey on today. He's practicing. We don't know. We didn't get confirmation that he will be in the lineup for the Rangers game, but he could be in the lineup for the uh, the trip coming up to Florida to Dallas. Yeah. I almost think that maybe back here against L.A. next week in a week's time is probably best. But, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Sooner rather than later is the hope. But I hope that he's healthy, he's ready to play, and the Canes get a – I think a, a fresh Jordan Stahl down the stretch, which, as you mentioned, they traded nothing to the injured list and get back Jordan Stahl. Yeah, so That's take that injured list. You All need right. a new GM. Mm, I don't know if they're willing to make these deals with us. Stay right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm for that. Any other questions that you see that are out there? No, I think we covered it all. There were a lot of very similar questions about Jordan Stahl, yes. a lot of very similar questions about trade. So well, if we didn't shout you out, apologies, no. but we, we do thank you for sending There is questions. one more question I wanted to get to. Okay. And this one, it's kind of a little off the wall for us, but I, I like it. If you were NHL players, what would be your numbers? This is from Taro Utenin. Thank you, Taro. What's your number? I play ball hockey and I use 25, but there's no real reason for that. It was just, uh, I, I don't even know how it happened. I just ended up with it. I've also played with 11. I've played with 16. None of them really mean anything. You know, there's, I know we do the, the What's Your Number series here yeah. on the video board. Some of them have cool uh, backgrounds to them. I, I don't really have a cool background to mine. No, if, uh, if I did, I play goalie usually in the media yeah. ball hockey game. And if you notice, every year I wear a different number and I try to wear it uh, in retrospect to a Hall of Fame goaltender or something like that. So I'm mindful of that. Uh, if I was a goalie, probably I would wear 30 because when I was a kid growing up, Tom Barrasso was, you know, he was the guy for yeah. me growing up. Uh, forward, I'd probably wear 19. Defense, I'd probably wear 8. And there's really no stories to it, just that. Uh, I wore eight for baseball and uh, 19 for football. And those were numbers that I always wore, and if I could, I'd wear them. So. Not enough people in the NHL wear 69. I would try to bring that back. Nice. But we should mention, it's. I, we don't think it's cool anymore. Oh, well, yeah. Well, everybody's got to ruin a good time. Yeah, that's true. All right? That's why I didn't have a very enthusiastic nice for you. Yeah. So. It's kind of a bummer now. It happens. It does happen. Michael Smith, always good to catch up with you. Yeah. And thanks to all of the fans here. Thanks who... to all the fans. Sorry, th- this is going to land a little late, uh, a little later than usual on Monday. We had some technical difficulties earlier. We were going to record a podcast yeah. during practice, uh, as we have the past few weeks, but uh, yeah, technology didn't cooperate, so we had to uh, we had to postpone a little bit. But we're still getting this to you uh, Monday Hopefully. evening. Better yeah. late than never. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it. We hope you appreciate it. Thank you for always tuning into the Canes cast. If there's anything else that uh, you want to ask us, you can always reach out on that old Twitter machine using the hashtag 
CanesCast. Please use the hashtag CanesCast for one reason. It just makes it easier for Michael and I to find all the questions when we try to aggregate yeah. where we can if find use, the questions. If you use Kane's cats, we might miss it. So Ooh. be sure not to transpose the S yeah, and the don't, T. Yeah, don't do that. Don't. Although, but if you have a picture of a cat who's a Canes fan, then you can hashtag it Canes Cats. Then definitely do that. Maybe I'd take a picture of my cat. There you go. Put them up there. We'll come to you next week. Hurricanes will be back in town after uh, the, the mentors trip. A mini Mostly road trip. dads. Yep. Uh, to Florida and Dallas. They'll be back here to take on the LA Kings next Tuesday. The Rangers, of course, here. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, the Rangers here tomorrow, which is Tuesday, February 19th. So we'll have another three game segment to recap. Uh, as we look forward to what should be an exciting stretch run of the season. Can't wait, as someone once said. That'll do it for this edition of the Canes cast, and uh, we're happy to be your bunch of jerks on the old internet machine. For the webs, Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Meniscalco. We will talk to you next Monday. Um, Bye-bye. Thank you.